Welcome back to Worst Season in the House. I'm Michael Russo. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Coming to you from on location in South Florida at the Aquarius Home Services studio. Anthony is off this week, uh, but Anthony and I are looking forward to seeing you all at Elsie's on June 22nd. That is our next live show. Uh, June 22nd at Elsie's. It's been a while uh, since we've been down uh, in that neck of the woods in Northeast Minneapolis. Plenty of parking there, um, like all the Tuttle's uh, restaurants, uh, you know, games, bowling, uh, great food. And uh, we'll be doing our podcast from a ballroom there. And we're going to be advancing the draft that's going to be coming a couple days later. And remember, free agency is July 1. Won't be the most active free agency in wild history. That is for certain. But again, June 22nd at LC's, we're going to be uh, previewing the draft and all sorts of fun stuff. So come on down. Um, but thanks for everybody for tuning in as always. Uh, what a game last night here from the Stanley Cup final. Um, Bruce Boudreaux and I uh, met up before the game and we did a podcast uh, that will be on later in this show. Uh, as you know, this is normally not an interview show, but we've had a couple people on over the years, Billy Guerin and Ben Hankinson and um, uh, Mark Parrish, Nate Prosser, a uh, couple other people. But this is uh, one of the first times that we've on location done an interview. So I sat with uh, Bruce Boudreaux in the NHL Network trailer, talked about his recent uh, stint on uh, on Monday Night Raw, and that's not going to be the last time you see him on a wrestling show. Um, he'll be, uh, uh, well, I'll let him tell you, but he, uh, he divulges a little bit of a surprise here that he's going to be going, um, uh, be part of a show next month as well. Um, with his second passion wrestling, uh, we talked about his uh, days in the media. We talked about the while we talked about the Stanley Cup final. So listen to that one. Um, Right now, uh, the the series is 2-1 Vegas. It looked like the Florida Panthers going to be left for dead yesterday. Uh, but who else but Matthew Kachuk ties the game with 2-13 left after getting hurt in the first period. He got rocked by Keegan Colasar. Concussion spotter took him out of the game after he had already played a minute 57 shift on the power play. He came back from the quiet room, had a quiet game until that tying goal, had one shot before that, uh, right before the tying goal. He he had a, um, a redirection that was robbed by um, Aiden Hill, and then uh, Carter Verhage works the puck down low again and, and gives him an open net for the tying goal. Then, of course, it would be Verhage. In overtime, how about this? Ten straight Florida Panthers victories in playoff overtime spanning a couple years that ties the second most in NHL history uh, to the Montreal Canadiens from 93 to 98. So uh, who had 14? Remember that that crazy number of them in the 93 Stanley Cup final. Um, But Carter Verhage, four career overtime winners. And this is a guy that has scored some of the biggest goals in wild in Panthers history. And remember, they got him for free. Tampa Bay won the cup in 2020. They were capped out. They couldn't qualify him. Attended, they couldn't tender him a qualifying offer because of the fact that uh, they were they, they had cap restrictions. They were worried about his arbitration rights. So they basically let him go. And Florida got him at a bargain, like two-year, $2 million deal. And uh, boom, uh, all he does is score huge goals for them. He's the guy in Washington in overtime last year in game six. Uh, got the overtime winner for the first ever Florida Panthers um, playoff round win since 96. And then this year uh, gets the game seven winner in Boston in overtime. And then the one last night uh, for 20 something in scores to give Florida its first Stanley Cup final victory ever. So um, big win for Florida to make this a series being seconds away from down 0-3. Jonathan Marchessault scores his 13th goal in 13 games, but the uh, Golden Knights were unable to t- uh, add insurance, and then uh, that allowed Florida to get back into the game and make this a series. 
Um, let's talk about the wild right now. Uh, not a lot going on. It's, it is continuing to be quiet. Um, right now, the way that I'm understanding is that they're working on a brand new Duhame uh, extension uh, or, or re-signing, I should say. He's a restricted free agent. They continue to work on uh, Philip Gustafson uh, signing. As my colleague Joe Smith wrote the other day, uh, he talked to uh, his agent, Kurt Overhard, and Kurt is giving no indication that this is going to be um, you know, a situation where, where they're going to you know, go get an offer sheet from another team or that this is going to get to a, off the rails to the point that the Wild are going to have to trade Gustafson. But we all know right now um, the cap as we know it is going up $1 million, and that just is not a lot of room for a wild team that's got to do a lot of things on, on their roster still and re-signings and, and uh, maybe adding a little depth and things like that. So uh, Philip Gustafson, there's sort of a final number that the wild would be willing or able to give him. And they're trying to work on multiple different terms right now. My guess is it'll be a three-year deal, a one-year deal, or they'll just go to arbitration where the Wild uh, 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 select it, then continue to try to negotiate before an arbitration. And if not, they'll take an award there. Um, so I still think that they're going to get them signed, but it's just been a, a difficult negotiation as of now. Um, you know, things continue to be quiet with Ryan Reeves, but uh, but the Wilds still want him back. But it's got to be on their terms, and I would think a one-year deal. Um, but but um, you know, who knows uh, what what they're able to work out at the end of the day. But again, things are very quiet right now. Um, the Wild have had scouting meetings. They were just at the draft combine in uh, Buffalo. Billy Guerin was there as well. Um, and then they'll be getting ready for the draft later this month in Nashville, then free agency July 1. But again, as we know, this is going to be a really, really, <laughs> um, I think, quiet, quiet offseason for the Wild. Um, you know, barring some just completely shocking move, I, I think that we're going to see largely the same team next year. And that, to me, again, was the disappointment of the way the Wild season ended this year, is that if you look at the teams that that uh, went on runs this year in the postseason or who are sitting in the Stanley Cup final, like, you know, you look at Vegas, they are just a well-run, well-structured, well-built um, franchise. But you, why couldn't it have been uh, Minnesota if they just gotten past round one? Uh, that is what uh, the Florida Panthers has prov have proven here, um, is that this season was wide open. And uh, here they are in the Stanley Cup final. And same thing in the West. I mean, Seattle upsets Colorado. Um, and you, you just felt like if the Wild could have done anything um, by getting, uh, you know, not in my mind, just giving that series away up to one and having a, a bunch of really uh, poor defensive efforts at times, um, special teams, um, you know, not the greatest games by Philip Gustafson. If they could have just gotten a couple goals from Caprice over Boldy, they could be um, potentially have done something special. And that's that was my biggest thing at the end of the season. Um, and my disappointment with them is that they just, uh, you know, really took their foot off the gas once again in the postseason. And so, you know, people keep on asking me, are, are they really going to run it back and, and you know, do this all again and, and be disappointed left at the end? Well, you know, again, if they just had, uh, found some killer instinct in the playoffs, they could have easily gotten past round one. They just didn't do it. The concern that I have is Matt Dumb is leaving and he eats a bunch of minutes. And uh, I, I think he's one of their most competitive defensemen, brings obviously a lot of energy to the locker room. It's going to be a huge loss. They're going to have to figure out a way 
to replace that. And it's not going to be just simple that Brock Faber can just step in and take that job. Um, you know, Brock was sheltered pretty good in the playoffs. Now suddenly he's going to be in a top pair situation with uh, Jonas Burdine. He's going to get all tough matchups. And it, we, we could see, um, you know, a bit of an eye opener for Brock uh, early on in the season. But this guy is going to be a really good defenseman. But is he going to be Matt Dumba right off the hop? Probably not. So, um, you know, uh, uh, Brock is uh, working out at Big time this offseason to try to make uh, the team out of camp next year and make this a really quality rookie year for him. Um, Marco Rossi is coming back to the Twin Cities in a couple of weeks. He's training right now in Europe after the World Championships. Um, and then we'll be back home uh, working out with the Wild uh, you know, strength coach, their uh, skills coach, Andy Ness. Um, and he'll be looking to, um, you know, really have a big, big uh you know, what would be considered, I guess, third pro year in the National Hockey League. Um, and what's really cool about this offseason, a lot of wild players are sticking around the Twin Cities for the most part to work out and try to get ready for next year. Guys like Matt Boldy as well. Um, you know, Mason Shaw is obviously uh, going to be doing his rehab there. But I bet you there we're going to see a bunch of players that are sticking around to try to, uh, you know, improve and get the, the wild over the hump next year. All right, let's go to Twitter questions um, and then we'll, we'll get to Bruce Boudreaux. Andrew Wordward says, is the friendship between Zuccarello and Kaprizov going to force Billy G to extend 36? The second half of last season was extremely concerning and extension could turn out to be regrettable. Uh, you know, don't disagree with the sentiment, but uh, and, and this is why if I were Bill, I would at least wait uh, until next season, see how Zuccarello looks and then make that decision at a later date. Why make a decision that you have to that you can make tomorrow today? In other words, there's no to me reason to rush it. If all of a sudden the Wild uh, feel like they want to bring back Zuccarello, I bet you they're going to be able to work something out, whether that's uh, now or in February. So you might as well wait um, and see how he does. I think the Wild's preference would be obviously to extend Zuccarello um, by a couple years, you know, at a, at a significant haircut. Um, but to me, it is incumbent to your point, Andrew, that they that they wait and and don't do anything rash right now. And there's really no need to and put themselves into potential, as you said, a regrettable situation. Um, Marvel says if the team opted for club arbitration on Gus's contract, what sort of range would it land in? I think three and a half is just too much for the club to handle. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but that would be around probably what the money is. Uh, it's just uh, those are the comparables, whether they sign him to a one year deal, three year deal or in or in um, in ARB. So that's the number that I think they'd l like to get to, which is, again, ironic because that was a number that I don't think anybody ever thought that would be um, something that he would ever reach. Um, AJ Spears says, uh, will Car ask, will Carson Lamos be in Iowa? And do you have any guesstimates on when he we would start to when he would start to getting uh, would start getting NHL games. Um, he will be in Iowa next year. And my guess is it's going to take a while. I mean, he, he's a really quality player. They love them in development camp. But this is his first year pro for a very young defenseman. Um, so to me, he'd be on the bottom of the totem pole. Hideki, uh, which players have been uh, great to talk to and surprising uh, to talk to this offseason? Um, well, great to talk to. I mean, I've I, always Jonathan Marsh. So, uh, just uh, the, the guy just gets it. Uh, you know, he's a fun interview. Um, Jack Eichel has been great. Uh, Chandler Stevenson's been great. Um, Riley Smith's been great. I'm just going through the roster for Vegas. Um, Petro is always good as well. Um, and Aiden Hill. Um, let's see on the Florida Panthers. That's who I've been around most. Um, I mean, Kachuk is always just unbelievable. Bennett's really good. Um, 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 um. I've really liked uh, Reinhardt and, and Cousins talking to them all, all series. Uh, Gudis is hilarious. Brandon Montour, very good. 
um, as well. Um, and Bob is, is, is pretty good as well. So, um, it's been, it's been fun covering the series and that's been the cool part of my new role at the athletic, uh, where I get to do a lot more nationals. Um, as I've said on this podcast a lot, I've gotten a new appreciation for different players. I really knew nothing about, um, off the ice this entire postseason. Um, Marty J says, what position other than center did the wild need to address in the draft? Well, I mean, the one thing I'll just say is about the draft and especially where the wild are picking at 21, we know we're not going to see the player for three or four years, most likely. I mean, look at all the players, the wild, the really good players, the wild have drafted over the years and why they have a top prospect core. They've drafted him, you know, two, three, four years ago. We still haven't seen him. Who's Nadinov, Yurov, Ogren, um, you know, Hunter Haidt, Jesper Wallstadt. So, you know, when we talk positions that they need to address, it's not like this is going to be any time imminently affecting the actual NHL club. But the one thing I'll say is when I look at the Wilds defense core, they have a lot of them. But I don't know if there's a real, real high end like stud defenseman yet in the system um, of all the defensemen that they have. So if they could somehow unleash something like that, that would be really cool as well. Um, Andreas Anderson asks, any possibility of worst seats in the house from Stockholm for the live audience? Which day most would it most likely be? Would love to attend. Uh, don't know yet. Um, I will be there. Um, don't know if Anthony will be there yet. Uh, but if we can do a pod, if Anthony and I are over there and we could do a podcast together, we will try to make it work where we do it in front of a live people, even if it's as simple as, as bringing, you know, bunch of fans that want to maybe come down to a hotel ballroom or something like that. Doing it at a bar probably is not feasible, um, but maybe we could do something where we uh, do it at a hotel. But that is, uh, you know, much to be determined. I haven't even uh, even grasped uh, what that Sweden trip will look like yet and how we're getting there and all that type of stuff. But um, if we are both there together, uh, we will try to make that work. Uh, Rob Rydland asks, uh, several episodes ago, you mentioned the Wild bringing back alumni into the fold through a Wild Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, it, not necessarily Hockey Hall of Fame, but maybe a Ring of Honor or something of that sort. Uh, can you tell us more about that related question? Um, so so let me let me just uh, like the, the thing with this alumni thing is it, this is like a two or three year project. And to call it a hockey hall of fame yet i think this is still everything is being conceptualized um by the team so i don't know exactly uh what it's gonna uh entail yet and i don't even think that the team knows they're putting together sort of a board that andrew height is running um they eventually will have a panel of people that are going to vote for whatever honors that they do but they're you know the, that is the cool thing that the wild are doing is that there's a lot of alumni that played very very important roles into the success of this franchise um the memories that a lot of fans have since the birth 2000 and you know but they don't have a lot of players that are going to join Miko Koivu's number up in the rafters so what are other ways that you can c celebrate them and that's what they're trying to do um and so they started this alumni association that Andrew Height is going to run um, they've created an app where the players can uh, keep in touch with each other. They're going to do different charity events. Uh, the one big one that is coming up July 7th and 8th is the crazy game of hockey celebrity um, games and concerts that are going to be in the Twin Cities. It's going to be two days. Um, it, it'll there'll be concerts. There'll be VIP parties. Um, there's a celebrity hockey game over at Tria. Then there's going to be the concert with um, with um, Corey Wong and OAR down at the Armory, which I wish I can go to, but I'm going to be going to uh, Sicily uh, during that time with Lapanta actually for our annual uh, European vacation. Um, but everybody should go to this if you can. I, you know, I don't want to be the one that's going <laughs> to 
<laughs> you know, try to sell tickets, but it, one, it's for a charity and the alumni association, but it's going to be just so fun. I don't know if everybody's seen the rosters in this game, um, but it's, it's really cool. So there's going to be team OAR and team uh, Corey Wong um, on the team OAR coaching staff. It's Brett McLean, the new Iowa wild coach, uh, Eric Stolhansky, Randall McDaniel, the uncle of, uh, of Dakota Mermis. And um, injured Mason Shaw. Then Corey Wong's coaching staff is uh, Luke Strand, the new Minnesota State head coach. Um, Andrew Zimmern, we all know him. Uh, Tom Reed and Ben Lieber. So that'll be a hoot. And the players in the game, there's just so many cool players. I mean, from OAR, Richard Nahn and and uh, and uh, and obviously Mark Roberge. Um, Chris Kulos is going to be here as well. Um, uh, I think Galagoski's playing. Walls is playing. Stalock's playing. Zach Dalpe, who I've been talking to down here a lot. He's going to be playing. Um, Brodziak's coming in for the game. Hannah Brandt. Uh, I'm trying to find the list here. Uh, Ryan Carter is going to captain that team with Mark. Uh, Robert Schley, singer of OAR. Darby Hendrickson, Matt Boldy, Miko Koivu, Joe Maurer, uh, Clayton Stoner, Jamie Hirsch. Um, players like that on the uh, Team OAR side. On the Team Corey Wong side, Keith Ballard, John Merrill. Um, obviously, Corey Wong. Matt Collins coming in. Mike Madano is going to play in the game. Uh, Jason Zucker, Richard Park, uh, Natalie Darwitz, Hillary Knight, Mark Parrish, Drew Stafford, Thomas Vanek, Nicholas Backstrom's coming in for the game um, as well. Uh, Ryan Hartman, Prosser, I mentioned, Jared Spurgeon, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, and, of course, Paul Fletcher from Cities 97. Uh, so it's going to be a hell of a time. So uh, if you want to go to that game, uh, go to, let's see, uh, wild.com. I don't even see it. Wild.com slash crazy game. Uh, wild. Uh, we'll, fu- we'll figure it out by the end of the show. How about that? Um, Google it. There you go. Um, yeah. Wild.com slash crazy game. So uh, go for that uh, because it'll be fun. I wish I could be there. Really wish I could be there. But in terms of the Hockey Hall of Fame, we don't exactly know what they're going to do yet. Boy, that was a long word salad. All right, Lannery asks, uh, can, you, can any young forward prospects that haven't been in the NHL yet make the team? Uh, nope. Not this upcoming year. I don't see it. Uh, JB asks, uh, you and Anthony mentioned multiple times you thought the Stanley Cup winner would come out from the West. Sure enough, Vegas is housing Florida. Well, not necessarily yet. Um, Even Florida was playing great hockey up to this point. Um, What made both of you think that way? You know, it wasn't that it wasn't necessarily that. I think my point was I was trying to make a point. I mean, that's and trust me. Because you know, you all know me and my incredible humility. But the second that Vegas wins that cup, if they do, I will retweet that because I think my point at the time was it was insane to me. Like I know, like if you're in an individual fan base, obviously you want your team to go out and make huge moves at the trade deadline. But most of the time, it doesn't work. There's only one team standing at the end of the day. And I think what I was shocked at was how all these teams out east um, just made in. You know, incredibly, in my mind, reckless moves, throwing away assets to, quote, go for it in a league that was completely wide open. So I don't really behoove them for going for it. But my point at the time was, all right, yeah, New Jersey can go make the huge deal for Tima Meyer and the Rangers could go add Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, which arguably ruined their season um, because it totally messed up their chemistry. You know, Tampa could go out and give, what, six assets away for Janelle and not even play him down the stretch. Toronto could go out and get Ryan O'Reilly and and um, Luke Shen and and a Cherry and all that. Uh, Boston, which I understood what they were doing, but going out and getting Bertuzzi and Orloff. Well, one team can stand at at the mountaintop at the end of the day, and it might come out of the West. And it is might come out, and it looks like it will come out of the West. And that was my only point. 
it wasn't that I had this like grand crystal ball. I was just my point at the time was just saying, you know, like just a reminder to these teams, the cup could come out of the West. And I, you know, I, you're giving up all these crazy assets in, a, in especially in an Eastern conference where it was not wide open. Um, although I guess, you know, now in hindsight, you could say that, that it was because Florida's sitting here. Um, Walter Norris asks, uh, Jeff Merrick recently mentioned that, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois plus the Minnesota wild. Is that crazy talk? Look, uh, Jeff has great sources. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois might be interested in the, in the wild. Uh, the, the wild cannot afford him unless he's coming here for 600 grand. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy talk. Uh, you know, as I joked with somebody on Twitter, I'd love to cover Connor McDavid. We all don't get what we want. It doesn't matter what Pierre Dubois wants. Um, the wild cannot take him on. Um, Lucas Lawrence asks any truth to the rumor about a Brewer and a extension being in the works? Well, we're the ones reporting it. Uh, it's, it's probably the only place you've seen it. So, uh, yeah. Um, Joey Boatwater, uh, tell Billy to wave a magic wand and keep Dumbo, please. Uh, not going to happen. Um, Holden says, uh, Felino, Hartman, and Zuccarello had careers in 21-22, but were lackluster in 22-23. Do you think that, that they will rebound? Um, and if we don't, do you think their names are on top of the list come trade deadline? Well, all three that you mentioned are in the last year of their deal right now. So uh, come trade deadline, if uh, they are unsigned and the team is is a bit upside down, it absolutely makes sense to sell. And uh, I can see that happening. Yes, Um Eddie asked, percent chance Atlanta gets a franchise. I wrote a huge story about this the other day. There's 1.2, 1.3, 1.5 billion reasons why uh, they might get a franchise. Now, right now, there's expansion is definitely not on the docket in the National Hockey League. The first thing they have to figure out is the Arizona situation and whether that team is going to eventually have to relocate. Um, but Atlanta, uh, a third time, might be a charm. Um, read that story. Um, we really dove deep, Sean Gentile and I, into the whole Atlanta situation and looked back at the other franchises, the Flames and the Thrashers, and tried to illustrate to fans that this was not a market not supporting the team. Uh, there were myriad reasons why they didn't work uh, the second time, starting with the worst ownership maybe ever. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the hope is, is that they put the rink, if they put the rink in a proper place where there's a lot of hockey fans around it, uh, which studies show is sort of the northern part of the metro of Atlanta, um, that it could work. Uh, I know that fans roll their eyes at that, but, um, but yeah, read that story. It was a really cool one, and um, really happy to work with, Jan with Brandon, uh, with Sean Gentile on that. Brandon asks, are you uh, going to see Pearl Jam on the upcoming tour? Not sure of the dates yet, but if I'm in town, I'd love to see him. Maybe Paul Fletcher will bring me. Um, PW Jams says, how do you how do the wild get bigger on the back end? Seems like a trend for teams that go deep. Even our prospects are on the scammer side I like that. Um, I think it is an issue. Um, and Pierre Lebrun, a story is going to come out today, but Pierre Lebrun on this very topic, uh, because if you look at the way that Florida and and, um, and Vegas are constructed, especially Vegas, I mean, big, lengthy defensemen, obviously, all you know, the, the one thing about their blue line is like, yeah, they're big and lengthy, but, you know, a couple of them are just really high enders like Alex Petrangelo and and Shea Theodore. But uh, I do think it's a concern. You can't have five, six of them and the wild do. 
Um, and we are starting to see trends where a lot of their top, top regular season defensemen continue to struggle in the playoffs. And why is that? Because the game is different in the playoffs. So there's multiple ways to build a team. And Bruce Cassidy, the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, were trying to, was trying to point that out to uh, Pierre yesterday and pointing out his old Bruins team that game, went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final and how they were, had an undersized blue line led by Tory Krug. Um, but for the most part, at least the way Vegas is constructed in a copycat league, uh, I do think that that's something that Billy Guerin is going to have to eventually look at. But a couple of their you know, smaller defensemen or not heavier defensemen like Brodeen, he's not small, but he's definitely not heavy. Um, they also have uh, complete no movement clauses, so they're not going anywhere. But um, but it's something that I think that he's going to have to continue to look at because, uh, you know, as you mentioned, um, even the defensemen coming aren't very big. Um, sad Minnesota Wild fan asks, uh, any idea if the Wild will ask Vanek to help out with Rossi's training this summer? Well, I mean, Vanek, uh, uh, Rossi can ask Vanek if he wants to. It doesn't need to be the Wild. Uh, they have a good relationship. Um, let's see. Trying to find some others here. Um, Cody asks if the if the Wild trade Gus, what would the, could they get with him for him? I would think a prospect and a pick, maybe. Um, Justin Spratt says, any chance they inquire on what it would take to get Pierre Luck? Uh, we talked about that. He said, uh, Pierre uh, Barbashev in, in free agency. Barbashev is going to make a fortune this offseason. The Wild cannot afford anybody. Uh, Rock NHL asked, do you ever get nerves before interviewing a high-profile player or any player for that matter? Um, not really. I mean, I, I still remember in the late 90s interviewing uh, Wayne Gretzky in the Miami Arena visiting locker room when he was with the Rangers. And there was I did have that out-of-body moment where I realized I was talking to Wayne Gretzky and uh, it was kind of like a cartoon where his you know lips were moving and he was clearly talking, but I wasn't hearing a thing he was saying. Um, definitely had that moment, but really not a lot since. The only time I get nerves are when it's a bad interview. Um, like when you're sitting down with a player and it's just like pulling nails. It's not that I get nervous, although one time I did. I will tell you this. Um, we were at the 2006 Stanley Cup final in a ballroom at, I think, the Sutton Hotel in Edmonton. And they brought in all the top prospects. And I was going there to do a feature on Eric Johnson and Phil Kessel, if I remember correctly. And I had to in sit down with both of them for this story. And I will say interviewing Phil Kessel made me sweat. It was like I could not get anything out of him. Eric Johnson was so good and, Eric and Phil Kessel was so uh, not good that if I remember correctly, I called my editor up. I'm like, we might just have to make this an Eric Johnson feature because I got nothing out of Phil. And it, but I do remember being like, like it was uncomfortably nervous because I couldn't get anything out of him. And there were so many awkward moments. And this isn't something that was like, you know, it wasn't a podcast and it wasn't like a radio show. So there was really almost no reason for me to be, um, you know, nervous. But I remember actually sweat starting to come on my forehead because I just couldn't get anything out of him. So those would be the only times. Like if you were sitting down with a podcast and it just was really bad or you get tongue tied or something like that, those are the times. But it's not that I get, um, you know, and uh, it's not that I get uh, nervous because I'm intimidated to talk to a player. In fact, I've been doing this so long that I, I still remember more excitements of like, you know, interviewing Michael Jordan when I would run around covering the heat at times or interviewing. Uh, I, I was around the Marlins a lot down here or walking through that Dolphins locker room as well um, and being excited. So it's more that the only time I get nervous is when it's a really tough interview. Uh, Freddie Hockey Enjoyer, what's your favorite uh, jelly or jam flavor? Uh, probably blueberry, maybe. Um Bill, what are the most likely trade destinations for Goligosky? Would he be willing to go to a rebuilding team like Arizona? He has a history there, and they could use 
leadership on the blue line. Honestly, my feeling has like changed in the last 15 hours. Like I talked to a GM yesterday that's like, why do you keep on writing that they're going to that they're going to be able to get rid of uh, Goligoski. Like, like who's taking him? This is what this guy said, you know, at his age with a no move and all this stuff. And, you know, the only thing I'll say is that I think that, that Billy is going to try to work with them to move them. They were actually going to meet this week, I believe. Um, if, if, if Goligoski wants to go, but this GM doesn't think that he's going to be able to be traded. So I don't know. Um, so it's a good question, Bill. Um, any word on Reeves? I mentioned that at the top. Wild Boy says, uh, thoughts on maybe signing Luke Glendening for next year? I know I've said it many, many times the past couple of years about a sign and trade. Well, um, the Wild have no interest in Luke Glendening. They just never have. I know why you're asking it, because he's one of the best face-off guys in the league, but they, they just don't have interest. Uh, Wild Boys, uh, do you think uh, the Wild will trade up in the draft? It always depends on what happens at the draft table. This is not something that, you, you know, obviously you exercise a bunch of things and there's certain players you're willing to move up for. But you you can't say, like, it's going to happen until we see at the draft. Like, at the table, if they're at 21 and there's three or four players that, like, Judd Brackett is fully in love with, um, they have all sorts of charts on what it would cost to get them. Of course, Bill Guerin's going to try it, but to predict right now whether they will – um, you know, it's just uh, fruitless to try to do that. Uh, but you know that all GMs try to do that. I mean, it's not like Billy's just going to sit and twiddling his thumbs for 21 picks uh, before they pick. He, if there's somebody they love, they'll try to move up. Um, and remember a couple of years ago, they, they made a pick on uh, the Kent Johnson draft and then tried to get Kent Johnson as well. They did that also in the Rossi draft. If I remember correctly, they tried to get up to try to get Anton Liddell after they drafted Rossi. If I remember correctly, I'm not saying that's 100% accurate. It's just stuff that I've heard. Plus, I have the worst memory ever. So, um, Matthias Krummer asks, are you going to the Guster at the uh, Uteples? I don't, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that this year. Um, if I am in town and I don't know when they're playing and Guster is in town, I will be going to the show. I love Guster. Um, Max says, uh, I think I heard you mention the possibility of the NHL and the NHLPA working together to raise the cap by a few extra million outside the scope of the player escrow. Is that still on the table? If so, would the Wild consider using that extra cash to resign Dumbs? If they have the money, uh, obviously, they'll do everything they can to um, either add or, or go back to Dumbo or something like that. Um, the thing the thing with that is that so basically, so I'm at the State of the Union the other day. Morty Walsh, new NHLPA executive director, is actually in the press conference. Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are addressing all of us. Somebody asked about the cap. Gary Bettman looks Marty in the eye and says, well, you know, uh, if uh, basically the way it works is that if if the players owe even a dollar of escrow left, the way the CBA is written, the cap can only up go couldn't go up a one $1 million dollars. The cap doesn't rise until that's completely paid off. That is the way the CBA is written. Now there are there concessions that could be made, or there givebacks and takeaways and all sorts of things that you could do in negotiations, um, possibly. Um, but right now, clearly they've been talking behind the scenes and nothing has happened yet. So that to me, when Gary Bettman said that and he was looking at Marty Walsh in the eyes, it was like a negotiating tactic to say, look. I'm saying publicly, cap's going up a million, but we could work together to try to make this uh, a different thing. So we'll see what happens. I don't think it's set in stone. Joe Smith wrote a story about this a couple of days ago as well, so give that a read. Um, but but right now, I'm fully expecting the cap to go up to a million, and but you know that the PA and the league will continue to negotiate on that. But just remember, like you can't negotiate forever. The these teams need to know what the cap figure is going into July first. So uh, there you go. Um, Ryan Day, what has made the Vegas Golden Knights so good the past five years? So, first of all, blank slate. Um, coming to the league, uh, have a lot of really good rules in the draft. Took advantage of a lot of GMs and trades and gifts and things like that. 
Then they used a lot of assets to gain other assets, draft picks, things like that. Um, but this is a franchise that has probably, I think, the fewest draft picks uh, on their roster that are here. Most players are still from other teams, but there's only six from that original team. But Kelly McCrimmon is, and George McVie have just done, done a brilliant job of just constructing this team. So much depth up front um, and and things like that. So, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. This Vegas team is just perfectly constructed right now. And they're doing this with a, whoever thought that Aiden Hill would be two wins away from a Stanley Cup. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux is our guest here on this week's Four Seats in the House. But first, here's a word from some of our sponsors. Well, it's that time of year in Minnesota. Hot, humid weather is here and it just began. If you're like me and like your home to stay comfy and cool all summer long, get a company you could trust. And that is my friends over to Aquarius Home Services with qualified trained technicians, guaranteed work and upfront pricing. They'll ensure that you stay comfy and cool all summer long. Take advantage of their June specials. Ninety eight dollars off any AC repair. That's right. Ninety eight bucks off. Or if you feel like it might be time to replace your unit, get a new AC for as low as $55 per month. That's 55 bucks per month. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. Open a 5.25% annual percentage yield 15-month certificate from Royal Credit Union. Open now at rcu.org slash certificate 525. Early withdrawal penalties could reduce earnings and principal. APY accurate as of 6523. Insured by NCUA. Can't wait to get into... Twill at the Galleria and Edina and check out some of their new spring lines. I've been anxious to get back out on the golf course. I've had one round at a driving range, and that's it so far this year. And But I can't wait to get out there and check it out. They're more than just a suit store. They've also got great golf apparel if you're into that. And, of course, the their suits and ties are right up there with the best in town. So I can't wait to get back out on the course. And before I do that, I'm going to have to swing into Twill at the Galleria in Edina and check out their lines. You'll be properly outfitted. Even if your game isn't sharp, you'll look sharp. Well, as mentioned, uh, Bruce Boudreaux, uh, we're coming to you from the on-location Aquarius Home Services studio in your star trailer. You've always wanted to be a movie star, and here you are. in your you got a star trailer right now. Well, it's not me. And, and believe me, the last thing I'll ever, I'll ever be is a star, even though you can dream all you want. <laughs> so uh, Bruce is uh, NHL Network uh, right now, and uh, we're in the NHL Network trailer outside of uh, of uh, my old stopping grounds here, Florida Live Arena. Um, it's a big, incredible arena without a naming right, which is crazy, uh, before Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. And uh, Bruce, uh, uh, first of all, we just ran into Wes McCauley, who is clearly as big a wrestling guy as you are. And I, I, uh, let's tell everybody about your uh, your time on Monday Night Raw. Was it Monday Night Raw a couple of years ago? It was Monday ago? Night Raw a few weeks ago, and it was funny. Wes, who's, you know, he's always known as a referee that likes to have a little personality and emotion. He just saw me, and he grabbed me, and he started talking wrestling like it was no tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, uh, we were getting into it pretty good. So it's... But he was so animated. He was about, so like, animated. Everything he wants to do if he ever yeah. gets on there. And it was funny because... When this started at the draft last year, Jackie Redman from NHL Network and EJ, they they got um, um, Kevin Owens, who's from Montreal, excuse me, to come down and say hello and everything. And I was like the biggest fan. And I was like, uh, I was gaga, like, I mean, like a like a groupie type type person. And we've kept in touch um, all this time. And I've met another couple wrestlers, uh, Edge being one that we've 
texted back and forth. But I mean, uh, he invited me to Raw, which was in Hershey, which is where I live, which was great. And then he came but we, after the show. He invited me backstage, introduced me to everybody. And we we did a little thing for social media that went over, I guess, really well. It was fun. But um, and he, you know, he told me, he says, you got to come to Toronto. And when we do the SummerSlam in uh, in, in Toronto on July, July 28th. And I said, hey, listen, I'll do I'll be there. Let's be part of the story. I can beat somebody up with a chair or a kendo stick. I'll be your manager. I'm going. And we were having a good time with it. So it was a lot of fun. Wow. I, if you are actually in the storyline in July, I cannot wait. Well, you know what? It's funny. I won't go through the dream, but I told I woke up one day and told my wife, I said, Crystal, I just had a dream that I was in this storyline and I and, and I went through the whole storyline and it was so plausible and feasible. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then the social media thing that you did the other day, which went viral. And if, if, if you're listening to this podcast and didn't see it, just just go on Twitter search and you'll just type Bruce Boudreaux and raw. You'll see it. Um, that was totally one take ad libbed. One take. I walked into the office. He says, Bruce, we want to do some social media stuff. Me and uh, Sammy are going to just be talking and you come in like 24 seven uh, thing and just start interrupt. And uh, but I didn't know if it was PG or if there was swear words involved. So I kept it PG. But we just did that in about a minute. And it uh, like those guys were great. They when I got when I didn't know what I was talking about, they 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 led me so well. It was really good. That's really cool. Um, so again, we're coming to you outside uh, right before game three, the Stanley Cup final. And I want to talk to you about the Stanley Cup final at first uh, first. But obviously, you know, right now, as I'm sure you're uh, first of all, I know you're as big a fan as all of us. Um, there's coaching searches, things going on right now. Andrew Burnett is somebody that I know that you're very, very close to. I had Andrew on my other podcast the other day, and he went on and on about his respect level for you. How excited are you for him um, to get this uh, get this job? I think it's really I'm really happy for him. Like, I mean, um, uh, you know, he's earned it. He's deserved it. I mean, uh, he's got great attributes that when he was in Minnesota, the one thing is the players all respected and listened to him. And that's, that's a great, in today's day and age, that's perfect. And I mean, he's had the head coaching experience. He's learned from Joel Quenville. He's uh, he <laughs> learned this year, you know, like, I mean, the, he's worked with some great coaches. So I think he's going to do really good. The players will play really hard for him. Um, it's funny, like once he got let go last year, that I phoned him right away to see if he wanted to be my assistant. It was him or Mike Yo, and I started out with Andrew because I knew him better. And uh, he was sort of like still in the I'm taken back yet. Yeah, let me let me wait. And and I totally understand. I just wanted him to know that he would have had a job if he wanted it. But I mean, he made the right choice. I've told him many times that he made the right choice. And uh, uh, so I mean. He's going to be successful and he's got the personality where he'll he'll go great in, in Nashville. Yeah. And obviously he uh, you know, we were, I was just talking to him on the podcast the other day. He was taken aback last year when he led this team, Florida, to a president's trophy. First playoff round win since 1996 and was let go for Paul Maurice. He goes to New Jersey, obviously coaches a really good Devils team as an associate coach to Lindy Ruff. Um, you we're seeing Mike Babcock get back in the game. You just coach Vancouver. Um, you know, d- does that, <laughs> does it make you happy that they're not saying like, you know, it's just going to be all newbies that, that still, well, I mean, it, it's good that there are every three or four years, the newbie, new mm-hmm. guys, American league guys come in and, and that's fine. That's really good. Uh, uh but I think you win with experience mm-hmm. and experienced guys, uh, 
know what they're doing. I watched Bruce Cassidy and uh, out there, and I I pretty well know every step he's making. I'm going, yes, that's like I get it. Like I get what he's doing, what he's thinking, and uh, and but I think you need that. It's hard to to win as a new coach coming in, not being a head coach before. And uh, so I think uh, you're always going to want the experience. It just depends on on how passionate the older guys can be, how uh, much, how well they can communicate with the younger players. And, and I mean, if they haven't lost a generation in there and um, if they can do those things, I don't think age should be a, be a factor. How much you hope, I mean, you know, obviously you had a great uh, second half of last year when you took over Vancouver and this was a tough, tough year for you after, after they didn't extend you and you, you had a, you know, we know what happens sometimes when a coach is on the last year of his, of his deal. How much you hope that you look great, you know, you look invigorated. We know you know the game. We know the players um, respect you. How much you hoping that this is not well, the end of the road? I would love to get another chance. I think I'm, uh, my wife knows. I mean, this is all I think about, all I do all summer, all winter. I mean, it doesn't matter. When I lost the job, we'd still watch every game every night. I mean, uh, if anybody wants to talk hockey, as you know, I'm willing to talk hockey with them all the times. So, I mean, I hope somebody gives me an opportunity. I mean, uh, uh, I don't think I've ever failed. I've never. This was the first year that I've ever had a club that didn't have a winning record, and um, I still think we were we would have gotten a lot better. I mean, we'd just gone through a gauntlet of of hell. <laughs> I mean, in in twelve games, we played a, teams that had an average of a six fifty winning percentage. So I mean, uh, but uh, that was the only losing part of last year. But I mean, it's uh, uh, you'd like to have another chance because you never want to go out a loser. And then I come in here. I mean, uh, I don't feel I belong here because I'm not coaching. I'm not I haven't earned my right to be in the Stanley Cup building in the in the final. But the electricity and everything, how it cannot make you just want to come back and do that job is beyond me. It's uh, uh, I'll, I'll want to do it as long as I can walk. It was interesting uh, watching you just walking around the arena and you are the mayor. I mean, everybody stops you. Everybody's excited. And but yet, as you just sort of alluded, you, you could tell that you're not comfortable with exactly that. that no, you want to be like, in the I background. Mean, yeah. I mean, I've never touched the cup. I've had so many times to touch, touch the cup. And but I mean, I just think there's an aura about winning the Stanley Cup. I think when I told Mr. Leopold that uh, the first day he says, do you dream of winning the Stanley Cup? And I said every day. And then it's the other thing I dream about is what I'm going to do with the cup. And that stays true to this day. So when I see this stuff, I get pretty emotional about the whole thing because it's the holy grail of what you've wanted to do your whole life. The um, Stanley Cup will be at the uh, NHL reception tomorrow. Uh, so you can always touch it there, I guess. I don't think I'm going there. No, <laughs> no. Um, let's let's uh, before we get uh, talking hockey, I wanted to ask you about the media business. Uh, you know, I, the one thing I see whenever you're on NHL Network is how much all the hosts, uh, your 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 co-analysts uh, respect you. And it's it just it seems like you're a natural on there. Uh, you and Rupper have a great chemistry anytime with anybody. Uh, and now lately I've been seeing you with Devin Dubnik, which is sort of ironic. That is sort of scary. Like, <laughs> I mean, like even yesterday, I told my wife last night, I said, geez, I'm with a player. Like, I mean, that I've had, I feel uncomfortable because you can't be yourself. You know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, uh, like I've always told my players I'll be friendly, but yeah. I'm not their friends. It's it's tough to all of a sudden switch when you had somebody for four years mm -hmm. and then like to go out having a beer or two with them. I'm just not yeah. comfortable with that yet. It's, it's, 
but how easy was the transition though? Like you've always been somebody that obviously when we're interviewing you, you put on, it feels like you get it. You understand our business. Mm -hmm. You are entertaining even when we're interviewing you as a coach. Do you think that then was it just a, the natural thing to put you now behind the desk and almost being the same guy? I don't know. Like, I mean, I think there's some managers in that that have hated that. But mm -hmm. I'm just, I mean, I think you can attest to the fact that I just don't change. I'm like this all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, obviously, when you're uh, behind closed doors with the team, you're different. Mm -hmm. But the messages are always there. They're the same message all the time people know where i'm coming from i think i'm pretty straightforward and pretty honest with them so i mean i just if they like it what i'm doing here i, I am being my myself being myself i love it because i mean the uh I, I i don't have to do any studying i just go out there and answer questions which mm -hmm. is which is pretty simple if you follow the game yeah absolutely um this florida series so far i mean uh, you know obviously game one could have gone either way they tie it up with 10 seconds left yeah. In the in the second period, it's a two-two game going in the third. Anybody could have won that. Um, second game got completely out of hand. Um, what do you make of this series right now? Uh, obviously, we're doing this again before the game, so who knows if it's two-one-three-one tomorrow when the pod comes out? Well, I mean, it's going to be the same out outlook or the same uh, answer if Florida continues to do the same stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not going to out physical this team. They yeah. might have out physical Toronto and out physical Carolina, even. Boston, I mean, the defense aren't like, I mean, Lindholm and McAvoy, they're, they're like, uh, not small defense, but they're not as physical as these guys. And so you try to, to Chuck takes a run at Hague, who's six foot six and yeah. bounces off Peter Angelo. You can see these guys, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, listen, we got two more wins for the Stanley Cup. You can punch me in the face right now. I'll get you back next year or I'll mm -hmm. do this. But the satisfaction of winning is overtaking them wanting to get revenge. And uh, I think if Florida's got to change that, play within the whistles. If they play within the whistles and they don't take penalties, then I think they've got a much better chance of winning than taking 11 minors in, in the first two games. I mean, um, because they'll kick themselves in two weeks' time. Uh, when they're sitting on a beach somewhere saying we could have won the cup. Yeah, uh, Florida needs Matthew Kachuk on the ice, not getting 10-minute misconduct yeah. all day long. Um, and to your point, too, about not over-physicaling uh, that team, you know, Rocco Gudis learned that the hard way. I mean, Rocco usually beats the crap out of anybody physically, and uh, Ivan Barbashev uh, let him well, know. Well, I, I think what happened, even in that play, like, I mean, he's been doing this for three hard series. Mm -hmm. And, I mean – He's getting fatigued and his body's wearing down because he's doing this so much. And like, I mean, he's taken a couple of hits in this series that, I mean, he's not going against Morgan Riley, you know, the the smaller type defenseman that the Leafs type I had, or even Carolina wasn't physical. Slavin's not a physical defenseman, even though he was on mm -hmm. the ice the whole, the whole night. Mm -hmm. Brent Burns isn't overly physical, you know? So, I mean, it's, uh, but Radko Gudis is. We used to call him the Solani Slayer. Mm -hmm. He hit Timu one day so hard when I was in Anaheim. He was bruised from his toe to his head. <laughs> and uh, But he does this consistently, and he is a great player. So I think he's just worn down a little bit, you know, and, and, uh, and Barbashev is a lot bigger and stronger than people think. The, um, you know, the other thing about Florida is, excuse me, uh, I wanted to transition to Vegas is that, you know, we, we always talk about this as a copycat league. And the, the one thing, the way that they're constructed is their blue line are all big. They're lengthy. Now, they're high end guys like, you know, like Shea Theodore and obviously uh, Petro and, and, and players like that. 
but they all are big and have lengthy. I mean, do you think that that is sort of the way that teams need to construct their blue line in the playoffs? Because the playoffs are a different game. I agree. But if you look at all the teams that have been in the finals or won the cup for the last five years, what was the common theme from Tampa's first win? Big, strong, Mm -hmm. mobile defenseman. Mm -hmm. And I mean, then they got Luke Shen as a seventh to add into that. And then they would double shift Kucherov because they had so much talent up front. So, I mean, oh, that was... That was the case. I don't like looking at myself. Get, you look good. Oh, I got to so look right now, I just, let me just take, let me take, I got to take a picture. All right. So right now, uh, Jamie Hirsch is interviewing Bruce Boudreaux while he's doing a podcast with Nate. There we go. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, um, uh, I think it's, it's the way people look. If you're a defenseman and you're six foot three, I don't want to look. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's, you stay playing defense. You're going to have a career in hockey because, I mean, uh, the, it's the way to go. You can't get to the front of the net. And I know exactly how Bruce plays. I mean, we played the exact same system as him in, 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 in Vancouver. We weren't evidently as good as that. But, I mean, um, it, the whole thing is denying people the front mm-hmm. of the net, letting the goalie make the first stop. And then we will clear the rebound into the corner and then we'll start over again. And that's what they do. That's why they don't allow those second and third shots to, to get on uh, get on the goalie. And it's uh, it works out perfectly. Um, how impressed have you been with Jack Eichel? I mean, you know, this guy talk about flipping a script. I oh mean, he was supposed God. to be this bad guy that couldn't win. Now he's a leader that that is. And uh, he's a great guy. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, go figure. I think it was two totally different roles. Nothing against Buffalo, but they needed Jack Eichel to be Connor McDavid. And that's what they thought he was. And when he comes to Vegas, he doesn't have to be Connor McDavid. He just has to do his part. I mean, they've got three great centers or four if you can't walk. And mm-hmm. so he's just he's just one of guys. Like, I mean, he's gone nine games without a goal right now, and he's still impacting every single game. So, I mean, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, the other guy that I got to ask you about is Jonathan Marsh. So, I mean, the, 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 he, talk about somebody that seizes the moment every single game. He just goals in his last 12 games. And I don't know him at all. Yeah. At all. Not even one. But he reminds me of some young – uh, like a guy that r- thinks highly of himself and he plays with a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. Yes. He says, I'm going to show tempo. I'm good. I'm going to show uh, Florida, Florida yep. got rid of me. And like, even at the beginning there, after year two, like, I mean, there was, there was talk of moving him in Vegas, but the more he goes, the more he's a leader and the guy can just flat out play and he competes. And, uh, and now he's, you know, he reminds me of David Perron. Mm-hmm. When David Perron first started, then he became, when, in, when he went to St. Louis the second or mm-hmm. third time, whatever he did, he became a great player. I think that is the perfect comparison. Uh, that's who he reminds me of as well. Uh, you know, everything in it. And I mean, part of it obviously is the French Canadian-ness, but they're both play that kind of, like, kind of both pr- play like pricks. And, yeah, they're rats, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I mean, and... Uh, uh, they'll take a penalty and they'll give you a dirty little yeah. shot like yeah. this. But yeah. I mean, they compete and yeah. they can they can pull you into their web very easily. Yeah. And that's what he does. I love the video. He was mic'd up the other night, Marsh. So and he called Lomberg. He was like, uh, you're not worth it, little man. <laughs> I'm like, when John and Marsh was, I was calling you a little guy. And then when Lomberg went out and said, hey, listen, he's not Connor McDavid. Yeah. And then I said on the show, well, you're not. He's not Bob Gainey either. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, there's a big difference there. So yeah. uh, it's a. Uh, He's doing it and he's getting people mad at him, which is exactly what he wants. Yeah. And yeah. and it's working. I think he's to an excellent player. Yeah. Um, a, a, a 
one more question on the uh, Vegas one nights. Then I want to just ask you a little more about hockey. And then we'll let you go, uh, Bruce. But um, Aiden Hills to win from a cup. I mean, my God. Who'd this have guy, thunk? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. He was 26th out of 28 goalies at one point um, of giving up rebounds. Mm-hmm. And this was his, um, this is what they said about him in San Jose. This is what he said about him in Arizona. But here, because they've got that defense, he's cleared it, but that's mm-hmm. gained him confidence. Mm-hmm. Now he's making those huge, big saves at the right time. I remember so many goals. Patrick Waugh, Carey Price, Jerry Cheevers. It depends on how far back you want to go. They could, um, Grant Fuhrer, they let four or five goals in, but he makes the save at the right time, yeah. and that preserves wins. Oh, it's unreal. Um, shocked about the, the way the wild season fizzled yet again? Um, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I, I mean – through February and March, they were as good as any team in the NHL. I mean, they weren't allowing anybody to score. I mean, uh, uh, they didn't score a lot of goals, but they were winning every game two to one or a shootout and and that. But uh, um, I thought they were in tough against Dallas because I thought Dallas was a really good team. But it's like anything else. If your big your best players aren't your best players, you're never going to win. And and unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason. Kucherov, who I think is a complete yep. superstar, yep. wasn't Kaprizov, scoring. Yep. Or Kaprizov, yep. yeah, sorry. Um, um, w- wasn't scoring. And when he's not scoring, I mean, then um, uh, the other guys aren't scoring. He's yeah. not setting them up. So, I mean, Zuccarello wasn't scoring. And those are the guys. And I think people don't realize, maybe in Minnesota they do, but around the league, they don't realize how much they missed Erickson Eck. No doubt. I mean, to me... He was a star on the rise, and I had him for three years. Loved his progress every year. And uh, you knew he was going to break out. I remember telling Bob, was he's a 25-goal scorer, and they'd, they'd laugh at me in the room. <laughs> but, I mean, no, he's just going to take time. But he's the perfect hockey player. I think any team would want him. Yeah, they're showing uh, on NHL Network right now in front of me, uh, 1996 uh, Florida Panther highlights. Tom Fitzgerald just scored the uh, Prince of Wales. Were you covering that goal. team that, was, back then? I was. Yeah. Uh, I always thought that yeah, my rookie year as a, as a as a beat writer, and let's put it this way, one of my teams has never won a first round since. So, um, well, that's not true. Sorry, the uh, uh, 2014 and and 15. Um, let me ask you. Uh, you know, one of the things right now, a narrative in uh, in Minnesota, and I sort of just talked to you about the the makeup of the blue line uh, with Vegas, is that the Wilds blue line is very undersized, and in particular. You know, sometimes when a player is around a long time, it doesn't matter how good he is, fans are, and, and media are going to start to critique. And Jared Spurgeon has been getting a lot of, you know, we always heard, Rob, you can't win with Miko. He's been the captain forever and they're not going. Now Now Spurgeon is starting to get the heat and he's coming off two tough playoffs in a row where now the thought is, all right, this guy is always a great regular season defenseman, but can he do it in the playoffs? You know Spurge better than anybody. I know that you've always said he's one of your favorite players that you've ever coached. Can you can he function in the playoffs? Well, of course he can function, but I mean, unfortunately, at Minnesota, he has to play against everybody's best line. I think uh, uh, if if they got something where he could be a three four, I mean, but I love him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say anything bad. I mean, he comes to work every day. He's the perfect person. Anybody that has got his size and has made it to where he has made it, I think is uh, is incredible. Um, but I mean, to this day, if, if there was a chance to get him on a, on a team that I was on, I would get him. Yeah, in a minute, because I would want him yep. to be uh, to be on my yep. team. 
Ed Jovanovsky is one tough, tough son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, there's another first overall pick. Yeah, I mean uh, Windsor. Yeah, and uh, uh, boy, he he reminds me so much as a lesser light of Scott Stevens. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, he had the toughness, he had the ability. Scott was just a little better in a few yeah. more few more ways. Uh, somebody asked me on this podcast if I ever get nervous at, at talking to players. Jovo is one of the few. Sometimes he would look you. And you thought he was going to explode on you when you asked him a question well, he didn't like. We're looking at TV right yeah. now, yeah. and he looks like, yeah. you know, if he's, you're sitting down and you yeah. said something wrong, he's coming after yeah. you. Huge hands. I mean, too. Like, he he had those. Like, sometimes he would clench his fist. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's going to hit Yeah, me. and that's the same way with Scott. Like, yeah. you'd shake his hand, and he would just overdevelop, yeah. you know, just take it all in. Yeah. So, yeah. Two more for you. Uh, one, how, how are the Hershey Cubs this year? What, how excited were you to just be around that franchise a little more? I, I think it's growing every day. Like, I mean, people now, um, they talk about the team uh, there, especially with the Bears in the Calder Cup finals and, and the Cubs and the Bears are, are pretty good. So it's, uh, I think everybody's done a great job with them. So, I mean, it's, uh, we want to, keep it going we want it to grow we want it to build we want to become bigger partners with the bears and and the city um or, or the town like i mean so i mean but it's something that it's uh, really near and dear to my heart and are you do you still own a piece of the blocks um we still do right okay. now yep. yeah so we're always uh in concern with how they do and how they make out and um we're very proud of what we started there and yeah. uh and what it's grown into. So it's uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Lastly, any good movies lately? Because I have one that I will tell you never to go see. I, and which one is it? About the Father. It might have been the worst movie oh. I've ever seen. Well, I just saw Furious 10 and and I said that was the worst movie I ever saw. Uh -huh. But I mean, so and Crystal picked it. So she's not allowed to pick another <laughs> movie for a long time. Yeah. Well, hey, Bruce, uh, as always, really appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, you know, this, this is actually the first time you've ever been on the worst seats in the house. Well, how, what a treat for you. This, yeah. You've been on my other podcast. You were first straight from the source ever. You were on that. So, yeah, no, uh, no. It's cool. always fun talking yeah. to you, Mike. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I love Minnesota. I mean, yeah. I love the people there. And it'll always be one of my favorite places ever. Thanks. Uh, well, that's uh, Bruce Boudreaux coming to you from his star wagon here in the, uh, the in the back of uh, I got to tell you a quick story. So we're in the back of Florida Live Arena and over there is like the little ex like exit to go under the um, I got to I'm telling you the story. And as I'm telling, you, I'm like, got to make sure that I can tell it. But, yeah, I'm going to tell it. Maybe I'll PG it down. So there's this tunnel there and I'm, I'm covering a game once in the late 90s. And all of a sudden I'm in the press box and I get this tip that, hey, uh, the Buffalo Sabres team bus has been pulled over in the back of the, the uh, National Car Rental Center. You might want to check this out. So I come running out here and there are like five Broward County Sheriff deputy cars surrounding the bus. And I like walking over to the gate, looking through there, and I see Brian Campbell, the rookie, outside the bus going through his equipment bags. The cops are like looking through there. They pull out this little thing. They open it up in front of him. He's like, that, you know, you could tell he's saying that's not mine. That's mine. They put him in handcuffs, all this stuff. This is going to be a this, punk. Yeah, this is unbelievable. I look at the bus. Everybody is like watching and like laughing and all this stuff. So anyway, they finally, as you said, it's clear it's a prank. They let him off the hook. He's like thanking them. He's like laughing, but he's embarrassed. He gets on the bus. Next day, I call one of the deputies that I know at the Broward County. I'm like, what was that about? He goes, he goes well, apparently, um, they, uh, so one of the Panther trainers was a off-duty sheriff, was a deputy. Yeah. Lindy Ruff knew the guy really well from being here in Florida. He had him set this guy up. They put in his equipment bag a bunch of Viagra. 
And his the deal was is that he was he brought he brought all this Viagra and that he was selling. And he's it. still a kid. And he was he's selling. Like, it. He's yeah. a rookie on the Buffalo Sabers. Wow. Wow. And not, it wasn't one of the players that set up. It was freaking Lindy Ruff that set it up. That it was is even better. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's just uh, to, so every time I see Brian Campbell, who now works for the Panthers, I believe, and Lindy Ruff, I always like bring this story up. It's just the funniest story ever. So and we're doing that. So the reason, the moral of the story, the reason why I'm telling you is that we're doing it literally uh, like 50 feet from where that happens. So that's funny. Yeah. That's Thanks, funny. Bruce. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, I appreciate. It, Mike. Thank you. It's summer and the weather has been great. You know what that means. The summer selling season is here and you got to be proactive and take action today, even if you're not quite ready to sell your home so you can be better informed and ready to move when the time is right. Chris Lindahl Real Estate's guaranteed cash offers are amazing because the market is competitive and they are in the home buying business. So their offers must be really strong. And more people are moving again as interest rates have stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easiest way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. There is absolutely no obligation. That's again, that is chrislindahl.com or 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Well, Moe's would have been a great place to go just a week or so ago <laughs> when they had the Robertson Cup up at the Fo- up yeah. at Fogarty Arena in Blaine. Whatever's going on up there, Moe's is a great place to stop and grab some dinner, some lunch while you're up there for a hockey game or up there to see a curling match. They've got a great menu. They've got some good sandwiches, good burgers, Great setup with TVs, so it'd be a great place to watch the Stanley Cup Finals. But during throughout the summer, check it out, catch a ball game on TV, and you won't be disappointed by the meal. It's a, don't think of it as sports bar food. It's good food at Moe's. This is Moe's Ice House at Fogarty Arena. Well, my thanks to Bruce Boudreaux for joining this week's edition of War Seats in the House. Reminder, June 22nd at Elsie's is our next live War Seats in the House. Uh, Anthony LaPanta and I will be there in the ballroom at Elsie's. Hopefully everybody coming. It's a couple days, about five days before the draft in Nashville. Um, I actually leave June 26th. So we'll have a lot to talk about um, that show as well. Thanks for joining us from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut water treatment systems, plumbing, heating, and cooling. Most Tavern, uh, Royal Credit Union, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Twill. Talk to you next week, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. Oh, but the world